0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's Friday. It's the 7 o'clock hour. Coming to you live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. The heartbeat of Calgary. Lanny McDonald will be joining us. That's what he looks like? That's what he looks like now. What a legend. (laughs) Turn this up, Alex, because everyone is working for the weekend. Unless you actually work on the weekend like a lot of other people do. So And please don't if you're if you're a person who works on the weekend, God bless you for grinding it out and getting it done and paying the bills. But please don't tell us when it's Tuesday, it's like that's my Friday. No, it's not. Stop it. Tuesdays Friday are never Friday. Friday. that's right. <laughs> like days of the week have a feel.
2: Yeah, they they do. absolutely do. They totally do. Like, oh my last day of work is Tuesday. Oh yeah, you want to go to the bar? No, I got work at seven. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday and Wednesday don't have a feel. No. Monday does. Monday? Thursday does. Tuesday is the worst day of the week. Yeah. Like we okay. agree on that. Tuesday's worst. Obviously the weekend does, but
0: Yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday, it's a lawless forty eight hours. It's
2: bit
1: very interesting mm. stuff we're talking about right now, days of the week. But I'm just saying. Because everyone is
2: working for the weekend.
0: You want to do my accent again? We can do that. No. Text line, love that. No, we, we won't do that. <laughs>
2: um, we do have explanation. There are a bunch of accents that this country has. Yeah, I, somebody put a long,
1: detailed Yeah, I, like uh, explanation of all the accents. Yes, thank you, uh, sir madam. Um, later on in the show, uh, we're going to talk about uh, how long is too long to be in somebody's bathroom. How long is too long? We'll do that. And it's also National DJ Day. I think maybe we can do that before we get to Lanny.
0: Disc Jockey Day?
1: Yeah. Sure. I'm in for it. We'll do that before Lanny. But uh, Flames, uh, I don't know if it feels like there's no such thing as a must win in January. Mm. But losing two straight, the amount of games they've already played as the Avalanche have three games in hand Mm -hmm. on the Flames. And it was good news, what you talked about in the Rose Report, that maybe the Golden Knights are coming back to the pack a little bit. but, And I don't... I'm not a big believer in the Kings. Lucky they lost 4-0 last night. But
2: No, they're the only playoff team with a minus goal differential.
1: Yeah, do we really think the Oilers are not going to be a top three team when it's
2: all said and done? Feels like the way they're going right now. That's what I mean.
0: It's wild because in the NHL, like week to week, especially with Canadian teams, it can feel like you're playing completely different seasons. Mm -hmm. But with the way the Oilers are playing the last couple of weeks, it'd be hard to not see them getting up there into one of the top three spots. Four points up on the Flames now. And they've won five straight games. Flames have one game in hand. It's not a lot. And they have the slam dunk
1: MVP of the league in Connor McDavid, who's playing phenomenal hockey right now, which is a surprise to no one. But when when you look at those top three spots in the division right now, and it's getting to that point where, like, Flames fans have had the luxury, well, especially last season when the team ripped off, what was it, 10 straight wins? Yeah. Uh, they were already a lock to get into the playoffs. Now it's going to be tooth and nail the rest of the way here. With forty, not even forty games left in the season, uh, we're past that mark now. Thirty plus games left in the season. Every every game's crucial. Every point's crucial. And when you look at this division, like, are the Kraken really going to fall back? Like, I'm I'm not a believer because it's hard to get past that whole expansion thing. And they were a total mess last that year. That was a big win for them
2: last night. Against but again, a really good they're, Devils they're
1: playing team. great. And Vegas is dealing with injuries with Mark Stone gone. I just feel and the Kings, do you really believe in the Kings? I I think I think the Flames are a better team than the Kings. Like, how is this going to shake out here? Because your safest route, obviously, idiot Russick, and nobody likes the playoff format in the (laughs) NHL. Nobody likes it. But I don't if you're a Flames fan, do you really want to take the chances on the wild card? No. Like, is there a chance? You know, look at the central. Like, who could potentially pass the Flames? For the wild card in the Central.
0: I have no interest in being part of a wild card round this year because you're either going to get whoever's the top spot in the Pacific, who it could be anybody and whoever it is, the way that the Pacific looks right now, to win the division, you're probably going to be the hottest team at the end of the year, which means you're going to be one of the hotter teams going into the playoffs. Yeah. So you don't want to be there. If you're going up against the Central Division opponents, I also don't want to do that because right now it looks like you're going to be facing an outstanding goaltender. In either Jake Ottinger or Connor Hellebuck, and I have very little interest in trying to do that first round series that the Flames uh, did last year. When you're a team that can struggle to score playing uh, a an elite goaltender, honestly, if, and no
1: no offense to you, Patrick Demong, because of your hometown. If I'm a Flames fan, sign me up with the series against the Jets right now. That'll be a war. I would take that right now if I'm a Flames fan, and I think I think Calgary can get past Winnipeg in the playoffs.
2: It's it's going to be on the goaltending for sure. Like it would come down to that. I think. Winnipeg's probably got a little bit more depth scoring down the lineup. I think that they've also put them in a position where they're going to go out and add somebody at the deadline. And I know Morrissey's had a great year, mm-hmm. but I feel like their blue line is After Morrissey, it's not a great group. That's what I mean. I mean, like Nate Schmidt is good, but Brandon Dillon's not great. Neil Pionk has fallen off a lot lately. And then that bottom pair, they don't know if it's going to be a Hanola. Logan Stanley's not healthy. So, that, that yeah, I could definitely see that because their defense core, not the greatest. The goalie can stand on his head and seal a series for sure. But Dallas is the one team because you could play them again like last year. It shouldn't have been that hard. Mm-hmm. It should have not gone yeah. to game seven overtime the way the Flames were and the way the Stars were. That was Jake Ottinger entering another atmosphere, and he's doing it again this year. Mm-hmm. And they can score now. They got one of the best players on the planet now.
0: I see a lot of similarities between the Stars and the Jets as far as how they're yep. built. You know, in net, you got an outstanding net minor. Yep. Both of them have an absolute horse on the blue line and Morrissey and Haskin in. And then after that, there's a significant drop-off. I prefer Dallas's blue line yeah. over Winnipeg's as it's constructed after the top guy. And then you look at the depth up top. And when both these teams are healthy... They got two, three lines they can throw of you that have either veterans that can score Mm -hmm. or young players that come into this league and have been absolutely dynamic. Like Mm -hmm. with the stars you're talking about, Hintz and Robertson and Pavelski and Sagan scoring again this year. And they got other guys there as well that youngster Wyatt Johnston's having Mm -hmm. a good year. And they also look like a team that's going to add to their forward groups before the deadline comes. Then you look at Winnipeg, Shifley, Wheeler, Connor, Ehlers. The list goes, Pierre-Luc Dubois is another mm-hmm. outstanding player and like Patty said, could probably add to, I have no interest in facing either of those teams. So further to your point that we started this off with, yes, you want to get into one of those top three teams, top three spots in the Pacific Division. The one thing I'll mention that I think bodes well for the Flames, I don't have the exact number as far as Pacific Division games they have left to play, but this year the Flames are 8-3-2 and two against teams in their division. It's one of the reasons they've been able to hang around is that they've mm-hmm. been able to win games against their divisional opponents.
1: Well, w- w- when you look at this division too, obviously you, you talked about it. Vegas and Seattle now tied atop the Pacific with both fifty-eight points. I, I just feel like the Oilers—they're inevitable to finish in the top three. And who wouldn't love to see another battle of Alberta playoffs, especially maybe in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs? But you could avoid that if you're Calgary.
2: Thirteen and, more games against the Pacific, Maddie.
1: And and if you're and if you're Calgary, like. I don't love the Seattle matchup because of the speed of the Kraken, and we've seen the Flames struggle against fast teams like Seattle. But really, like, would, would a matchup, a 2-3, you're the three seed if you're Calgary against Seattle, would that really terrify you? I don't think so. Playing the LA Kings,
2: would that really scare you, playing it's, the LA I, Kings? Seattle is another team that interests me come deadline day. They've got the capital that they can move they're a spot maybe for Bo Horvat as well. Like I just feel like Seattle is going to be another team that could add somebody even more that could make them better. Uh, I know, you know goaltending, Martin Jones. Well, that's you what I mean. That, what you that mean. that doesn't scare yeah, me, the no. goaltending in Seattle, but even Los Angeles,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And Vegas with no, who knows? Like there's whispers. Mark Stone could be over the year. Mm-hmm. We know how suspect their goaltending potentially might be. Although Logan Thompson's had a great season.
2: It's, a, I, it's
1: you're, the, you're, much, you're much safer getting into a top three for the Flames here. Opposed to playing a team like Dallas, Winnipeg,
0: or you know Colorado could go on a ridiculous run here with the way that they're, they're only playing. five
2: back in Minnesota for the cent for third in the Central. Right, Listen, and
1: you want no part of Colorado in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs.
0: You don't want any part of Colorado. Full Ever. stop. Right. Ever again, you have to face them once more this regular season. And if that's all you have to see them for the rest of the year, you'd probably be happy with it. Uh, and again, it's it's something to me that this team
1: is a a definitely built for the playoffs. Just get into the dance. Mm-hmm. And I think the Flames could potentially have some damage. They still have to go out there and add more scoring, which I talked about yesterday, mm-hmm. which I don't think there's any question about that. But just get into the playoffs. And it's about, as Mike Babcock says, starting on time. This team struggles to start on time.
0: Yeah, tough lots one of time against,
1: Tough one against tomorrow against the Lightning. Afternoon game. Could get wacky as Rick Ball says and then obviously Monday Monday show is going to be super fun too by the way but Monday there's going to be a ton of electricity in that building mm-hmm. like it's going to be super fun when Johnny comes back It's the big show Russick and Rose SportsNet 960 the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio the top of the next hour Jason Bukula SportsNet columnist scout see what he thinks about the NHL trade deadline some prospects that are super intriguing. Touch on the NHL draft, too, which is apparently loaded with some high-end talent.
0: I'm intrigued to see where he actually is. He told me yeah. he's scouting. Scouting he what? Pro? and we, Kids? I want, I want to ask him, know?
1: too, because everyone wants to potentially see um, Jacob Pelchi make his NHL debut. Sure. I want to get his thoughts on Jacob Pelchi. what he thinks, what he kind of grades out to be, what potentially sort of NHL career that guy can have. I uh, would love to hear from him. And the voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills, will join us uh, later on. And uh, later on in the show, too, how long is too long to be in somebody's bathroom? But right now, man who needs no introduction uh, in this city, the legendary, he's pretty much the mayor of this town. He'll be a part of the hometown, uh, sorry, the Hockey Day in Canada broadcast tomorrow on Sportsnet. We say good morning to Lanny McDonald. Lanny, how
3: are you? I am doing great. How are you guys doing?
1: We're great. Obviously, uh, you never get tired of talking about 1989. But I have, I have to ask you about this, Lanny. When you're feeling a little down, you know, you're waking up not in the best mood. Do you ever flip on YouTube and watch highlights of you scoring that clinching goal at the forum?
3: You know, I never saw it for probably the first five years. Uh, and now when I see it every once in a while, it's like, oh, that was pretty good. (laughs) But more importantly, the pass from Neuendijk was unbelievable. Uh, No one makes that pass as good as he did. So I feel pretty lucky.
1: Um, Beating Patrick Waugh where you did, um, were you aiming there? Did you just shoot the puck? What was your mindset? Or it happened just so quickly, you realized the puck was in the net.
3: No, we knew... uh, if you go side-to-side, side, uh, the pass goes side-to-side. Side. On Patrick he comes across. He tries to get as big as possible, uh, but spread eagle. And you got to go top shelf or you go nowhere at all. And when it went in, it was like, oh, man, that was good.
1: <laughs> you knew then, though, right? Like it was it for you.
3: Oh, oh yeah. Uh, to... Score my first goal in Montreal, score my last goal in Montreal, win the cup, year 16, what a way to go.
1: Well, again, I I know you've been asked about this probably numerous times. I've never asked you about this. At what point, how much pressure, or what were you feeling that night ahead of that game? Like, you obviously knew this was it for you in your career. Like, let's get this done tonight. Let's not send this series back to Calgary. How much pressure did you put on yourself internally that – Here's my chance to get my name on this damn thing.
3: Well, when you, we lost in, in 86, you think you're going automatically right back to the cup and to uh, not get back there for three years. You realize like, Oh my God, like this, this is probably it. This is our only chance or they were going to blow up the team. And to be able to find a way, and especially after I didn't play game three, four, or five, to get put back in the lineup and to be able to play a physical game, uh, which I loved to play anyway. My dad always thought the two hits on Larry Robinson were game changers. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he didn't care about the goal, although he liked the goal. And then to be able to score that goal uh, as well, Wow, it was just so, so good, so much fun for the entire city. Uh, that was a win for all ages uh, in Calgary, and hopefully they can do it again.
1: How excited were you guys in training camp when you knew Wayne Gretzky was gone from the Oilers and went to Los Angeles? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it was interesting because. We're the happiest uh, people, even though we found a way to beat them in 86, uh, having him uh, actually out of the Oilers lineup. And then we end up having to play them in the second round. And to be able to find a way to beat Vancouver, uh, which took us way longer than it should have in seven games, then play uh, the Kings, and finally knock off Gretzky. Uh, yeah, we, we we knew at that point we were on our way. We just couldn't get ahead of ourselves.
1: Uh, Lanny, I just, I just want to tell you, uh, growing up a Habs fan like I did, um, thanks for breaking my heart in 1989 as a child.
3: Uh, you know what? You broke my heart in 86. <laughs> um, so so Sorry, it's, 50, it's a 50-50 deal here. Yeah.
1: I, I get it. Uh, I know Rick Natris has told me, he goes, it was my pleasure, bud, to break your heart. <laughs> That's what he told me uh, in 1989. Just want to ask you about the save Mike Vernon made on Stan Smeal in overtime in game seven in round one.
3: You know what? There were three saves, uh, Stan Smeal's breakaway, but the two one-timers by Patrick Scrico and Tony Tante. Uh, and, Vernie made glove saves on those two that were as good as the breakaway, and they were all in overtime, and you were sitting there thinking, oh, my God, it's over. And, oh, thank you, Vernie. Uh, <laughs> y- you kept us in here. Way to go.
1: Um, how often do you wear the cup ring?
3: Uh, well, I've got it. Uh, I'm I'm down in Owen Sound at Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. We're having a great time. I just finished a breakfast uh, with the cup, and they had about 350 people, uh, grandparents, parents, kids, uh, grandkids. uh, They were all at the breakfast. Uh, I had the ring. People were trying it on, taking pictures with it. It's awesome. Is, Is
1: it still surreal that your name is on the cup? Do you ever kind of pinch yourself when you look at your name on the cup there?
3: Well, you don't pinch yourself, but it's a pretty cool feeling uh, <laughs> to, to see your name on the cup and think, oh, man, that is pretty cool. When when we won it and we had the cup at our place, uh, it, it was probably my dad's favorite time uh, is just seeing, uh, because it, it's listed as L. McDonald and his name was Lorne. So it was like, and awesome. dad, I... I grew up loving watching my dad uh, stay-at-home defenseman play the game and and to see him look at L. McDonald it was like it was his own and it was so cool. Did
1: you
0: eat cereal out of it, Lanny? <laughs> Can't go there, boys. (laughs) I'm intrigued to just what the feeling was that summer landing, because like you mentioned, you you knew it was kind of the the end of your career, but to do it going out on on such a high note, what was the emotion over the course of the summer as you kind of prepared for the unknown?
3: Well, and, you know, speaking of that, uh, the unknown is the year after hockey... Uh, regardless of how long you played, is probably the hardest year of your life because at the end of every game, you know what you have to work on. Uh, You did well here. You didn't do well there. Uh, And when you go into business, uh, sometimes it's months before you kind of know or uh, get that new uh, contract if you're in sales and marketing that you – We're so used to knowing at the end of each and every game, okay, I've got this or I haven't got this. And so it it was very different. Uh, But uh, the summer was great just to be able to look, sit back, and relax and know, you know what, 16 years, uh, what a
0: blast. I'm out of (laughs) here. Have you kind of helped guys out? I know you're a big part of the alumni here in Calgary as a lot of the members of that team were or continue to be. Um, do you maybe help guys who are finishing up their career and going through that very difficult, tough year like you mentioned? What are maybe some of the tips you might have for players who are wrapping up their own careers?
3: Well, I think more than, more than anything, you try and make sure they're involved in our alumni. We, we, I think everyone in Calgary knows what a great alumni we have. We have nine guys from the Stanley Cup team in 89, which is unheard of, Hmm. still live in the city. And we probably have about 145 uh, players that we can call on at any time. About 50 of those are uh, ex-Flames that played for the Flames. But probably the best thing we ever did was make our alumni the Calgary Flames, NHL alumni, because guys don't get back to Florida. They don't get back to uh, New York very often. So they've become an integral part of our alumni, and it's made us so much
0: stronger. You're probably biased, but I don't really care. I want your biased opinion. Best alumni in the league?
3: Uh, I And you know what? I belong to uh, both both uh, <laughs> Toronto and Calgary. Uh, Toronto does a tremendous amount. They have an uh, unbelievable amount of guys they can call on. Uh, but I think our alumni, we end up doing about 350 events a year. And I am so proud of uh, what they do and and what we have been able to accomplish. Uh, and I don't see that changing. And, yeah, good on them get off good on them all and proud to be a part of it
1: the legendary lanny mcdonald joining us here on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline it's the big show Russick and rose Sportsnet 960 the fan uh lanny for younger fans who weren't around uh for that amazing cup run in 1989 uh describe how hard al mckinnis used to shoot the puck Because I know today everyone remembers Zidane O'Chara and even Michael Stone here on the Flames has an absolute rocket, but a lot of those guys using these one-piece composite sticks, some of it's technology, but Al McInnes used to have an absolute rocket with a wooden stick. What was it like in games watching that guy shoot the puck and in practice too?
3: Well, I was glad on the power play that I was the guy on the far uh, uh, face-off dot waiting for his one-timers to come across so I could pound it. When he was shooting the puck and no one wanted to, the first couple of years, he couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. And we laughed (laughs) laughed about that. Then he perfected uh, his shot, whether it was a half slapper or full slapper. And he had this great pass off the backboards, bouncing right out front. Uh, Eddie Beer's, uh, and I'm dating myself now, Eddie Beards uh, would always say, I'll go in the power play because no one else wanted to go in front of the net because they knew they were going to get hit at least once or twice a game. <laughs> and we'd drag him off probably at least twice a game. He'd go down for the count after L hit him in the back of the leg or something. And uh, L's shot was so good at the last three quarters of his career. He knew exactly where he was shooting all the time, and it was a rocket. You tried to tip it, you couldn't see it. You just hoped it didn't hit you.
0: Wanted to ask you as well about some of the rough-and-tumble type of guys that might have been on that team. Like, How much confidence did you have when you knew a game was maybe getting into a little bit of rowdy territory, and you had guys like Tim Hunter on your bench?
3: We had Tim Hunter. uh, We... We had uh, Brad McCrimmon, Dana Mersin, Rick Natras, uh, uh, Jim Poplinski, uh Joel Otto. That list went on and on. And it was we called it the Wolfpack mentality. Uh, you're in it uh, and you're in it together. And it took all the pressure off of guys uh, like uh, 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 Joey Mullen or Hawken Lube. And those guys, they were tough. It, they they didn't care how many times they got hit. They just kept coming back. But the rough and tumble uh, part of the game, uh, we, we were completely confident uh, <laughs> we were not in trouble at any time.
0: How important was it back then to have that intimidation factor on your team that we maybe don't see nowadays?
3: Well, when you uh, had the best, battle of Alberta and you and a guy went against guys, uh, like Don Jackson and, and, uh, uh, Marty McSorley and, and, uh, oh my God, uh, big left winger. Uh, Samenko. Samenko, Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, bless his heart. Uh, no longer with us. Uh, like, you were, you had your hands full. Uh, they had McClellan, uh, as well. So you knew it was going to be a battle. And, and if one side or the other, uh, got ahead in the game, it was like <laughs> strap them on boys. Here we go.
0: How about, uh, Joe Mullen winning the Lady Bing Memorial trophy in that season as well in 89, when you guys were, uh, beating everybody up, what was that like to have a guy win the Lady Bing back then?
3: You know what? Uh, Joey deserved it. Uh, I think he was the first uh, U.S.-born player to score 500 goals. Uh, We were roommates for the last four years uh, before I retired. We loved hanging out, uh, and we got to hang out with uh, two of the young guys, uh, Newendike and Roberts. And we we try and uh, tell each other that we credit uh, each other in making sure that they knew what it would take to uh, play in the league for a long time. And sure enough, they did. Mm. Uh, but Mully was, he was incredible. He took me back to uh, where he grew up in, in New York in uh, hell's kitchen uh, showed me the old uh, uh, outdoor rink where he used to rollerblade, blade uh, and how he even survived growing up is a minor miracle. And the fact that him and his brother uh, Brian both played in the NHL. Uh, While wow. credit to them for uh, that kind of uh, hard work and de- determination to get it done.
1: Um, Lanny, we know in today's game it's all about sports science and diet and sleep and everything is so regimented now to 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 have peak performance. What was Lanny McDonald's off-season regimen? Uh, what did that consist of? especially in the early eighties, Lanny, what was your off season like getting ready for the season?
3: Do you know what? Uh, Bearcat Murray would, uh, take my skate blades off, uh, and put roller blades uh, on my new skates so I could break them in. And that's what I did all summer long was rollerblade. Uh, hmm. I never lifted, uh, weights. I always used a, a rubber band, uh, uh, For basically strength training and rollerblade, and that was it. That was my training uh, routine. And sometimes we put so much pressure on uh, our young people no, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to follow this uh, diet. Sometimes your body has to uh, uh, recover and that's what i tried to, to do i didn't start training till probably the middle of of uh, july and then i would rollerblade non-stop uh and
0: hmm.
3: it certainly seemed to work and but everyone's different and today with with uh, uh everything they've got uh, in front of them uh sometimes to uh, uh, how much is too much? And sometimes you you just got to listen to your body. And if you're you're tired or worn out, then you got to back off.
1: Um, Lanny, who's the guy who showed up to camp in the worst shape you've ever seen?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that. Like. Those people are still my friends. <laughs> uh, you know, okay. You know was there what, a time was,
1: where you're like, wow, Lanny, wow, wow, you really enjoyed your summer. Did you make, was there comments in the room? Like what was, what was the approach to that?
3: No, you know, you know what, it was always hilarious when you got to training camp and the young guys, the the rookies, they'd come in in phenomenal shape and they'd be buzzing around out in, in, uh, in scrimmages and that, and, and you couldn't catch them. And it was amazing how, in ten days to two weeks, when the older guys who came in half decent shape uh, all of a sudden started to get their legs and, and get their wind, and you could see the the chart going up for them. And about two weeks in, all of a sudden they're at the same place the rookies are, and then you zoom past them, and the rookies start to lose their confidence because wow, where'd these old guys come from?
0: Was there ever anybody that came into camp and absolutely shocked you as far as to how good of shape they're in? Maybe we won't go the other way, but maybe complimentary. Is there anyone on the other side of the spectrum?
3: Well, the very first year that Gary Roberts, uh, who is now a fitness guru, Mm -hmm. uh, Gary Roberts came to camp and you had to do so many pull-ups, you had to do so many sit-ups, all that stuff. Uh, uh, not heavy science stuff. And uh, you had to do 20 pull-ups. And Gary did one and a half pull-ups, and that was it. And he realized, oh, my gosh, like, I thought I was in pretty good shape, and now all these old guys, like, they can do uh, 15, 20, 25. And he went back the next year came back to training uh, train camp and he was one of the most fit guys. And now you look at him today, he trains Stamkos, he trains McDavid, all the top guys. Uh, and, and he is still at 50 plus years old. He is a rock star, like from a physical standpoint. And he learned very early oh my gosh i gotta make sure i'm in top shape or i'm not gonna last very long and he had a great career
1: uh lanny before i let you go uh again thanks for your time this has been fantastic what what do they got you doing here for hockey day in canada what are some of the things that uh the viewers should look out for uh as this, as the festivities get underway no one sound on saturday
3: Uh, You know what? Uh, We've been here for the last two days. We've done school visits. We've done skating with the cup. Uh, We had about 350 people on the ice. uh, Yesterday, parents, grandparents, kids uh, on the ice with the cup, uh, taking pictures. Uh, uh, We do clinics, hockey clinics uh, in about half an hour here. I'm off to another school to uh, do a a team talk uh, at the school with some of our other people uh Wendell Clark's here, uh Cassie uh, uh Cassie Campbell Pascal uh is here, uh Darcy Tucker's here, uh Andrew Ferrants. We've just had a great time. And on Saturday it's hockey all day and uh Scotiabank is doing a great job making sure that hockey is for everyone. Uh and making sure that everyone has the opportunity and also uh, that Uh, it is for everyone and regardless of of uh, uh whether you can afford it or not making sure that people that have maybe challenges do have a chance to play this great game and how good it is for everyone
1: stanley cup champion flames legend lanny mcdonald lanny thanks for this let's do it again soon
3: I uh, look forward to it. You guys take care and go Flames Go. There you go. Absolutely. Go Flames
1: Go. There's Lenny McDonald on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline using um, the same recipe since 1975. Yes, sir. Dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403 248 3344.
0: You know how you win 14 awards? Tradition.
1: Yeah. Um,. If I were Lanny, thank you. If I were Lanny McDonald, too, welcome. I would uh, I would definitely flip on that video of him beating Patrick Watt to seal the cup in 89.
0: I like if the I scouting report he gave. Yeah. It's not that different from nowadays, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I remember uh, Rick Natras told me, too, uh, when it comes to Al McInnes, as he said. Natty. Uh, they called him Choppa. Choppa. Because he goes sometimes he had no idea where it was going. He goes, sometimes it just whizzed around your head.
0: It was like with Lanny, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn at the beginning yeah. of his career. And, he, mm. and
1: had an absolute rocket. Like the 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 clip of him putting the puck through the boards. My, my favorite yep. thing, too, is where he cracked Chris Osgood's blocker in half and then broke his hand underneath. Because that's, so yeah. that's how hard he shot. That's so hard he shot the puck. And then when he was trying to use the composites, he just couldn't control it. It was just no. too much. Wild. But Absolutely just, crazy. Just an absolute laser beam. A cannon. From Al McInnes. Uh, keep your eye out for Lanny McDonald, part of Hockey Day in Canada tomorrow on Sportsnet. All right, straight ahead. Uh... I want to hear the scouting report on Jacob Peltier. And our next guest, I'm sure, has it. Jason Bucala, um, Sportsnet's uh, columnist, Scout will join us straight ahead. And the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills at 830. And we'll wrap up the show with two things. Uh, our intern, Noah, is going to tell you how Canada did at the Australian Open. Sweet. And how long is too long to be in someone's bathroom? It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.